Good afternoon, good afternoon, and you've just tuned in to this edition of Shift Happens. I'm your host, Sandra Bishop, and I am so excited about bringing to you part two of a program that I started last week. Last week, I met with transgender female Erica Carter living large right here in Cleveland, Ohio, and willing to open up and tell us all about her transition. Stay tuned. I'll be right with you. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in today. I am excited to have a conversation with Erica Carter to continue the conversation. I was really amazed at how open and honest and transparent she was about the transition that was made into being a female. And I recognize that the world is changing at such a rapid pace these days. And that while at one point, this was so taboo, now we have people who are willing to open up and talk about something that has been a lifelong dream and a lifelong journey for them. I hope you are as excited to hear about this conversation as I am. I'm just so excited. So welcome to Erica Carter. So Erica, there has been a lot of debate lately around this idea of transgendered women in sports and competing on the same field as cisgendered women. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are when it comes down to the competition and whether or not you think it is fair. I don't know all of the ins and outs of it, but uh-huh. the short of it is, is I know at least on the high school level and, and it seems in my personal opinion, it seems that whenever Republican lawmakers are not in power, um, all of a sudden there's this turn towards attacking the transgender community. You haven't heard a whole lot about the transgender community the last four years, um, other than I think initially when uh, when Donald Trump wanted to ban trans um, military individuals. Um, and then as soon as as soon as they lose power in the House and in the Senate and the presidency, all of a sudden now lawmakers have all this free time on their hands to find ways to oppress and suppress um, trans individuals. Um, they seem to have lost the battle against um, a same sex marriage. And now this is the next frontier for them to attack and attack and attack. And so the attack is on youth um, participating in sports and um, in particular trans youth and um, allowing those youth to participate in the gender that they identify as. Um, so I, I, the concerns are with, okay, so I don't think that it's any, I don't think that it's any mystery that, you know, cis men tend to be stronger than cis women. Mm-hmm. And so now the concern is twofold. Number one, you have uh, uh, cis men pretending participating against athletes that are arguably weaker and you have um um i'm not really sure how the how the 
Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know how the dynamic, I don't know how all the dynamics work with that. I mean, I know that on a professional level, it's happened before um, because there's, when we get into the whole biology of things, there's um, hormone replacement therapy, um, which um, is used to bring one gender, the assigned gender, gender's biology, if you will, or chemistry into line with that of Mm -hmm. desired gender that they choose to live as and is that how is that how like you like your voice softens and is is that part of uh, so um so typically for, um, and I'm going to try to bring this back around to the athletes. So typically for someone who identifies, say myself as a trans woman, I would take um, testosterone blockers, which blocks the creation of testosterone. I would take estrogen, which softens the skin and gives you that glow and um decreases hair growth, um, causes breast growth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, someone who's going the other direction, um, definitely gonna be taking testosterone. Um, and um, the testosterone will cause um, a deepening of voice. So um, someone who was assigned female at birth and is choosing to live um, as male or transition as male, they will usually pretty quickly see um, a change in voice um, or deep in voice from the testosterone. Whereas you don't necessarily see that with um, trans women. So by just taking estrogen, it doesn't necessarily cause um, a softening of the voice. Oftentimes there's um, vocal therapy that goes into that. Oh, okay. Um, so where, where people work on having that voice because they don't want to walk around with a deep voice and get clocked, clocked meaning that um, somebody knows or knows their tea, if you will. So um, with with those hormones, oftentimes and in high school, you know, I know parents are often concerned about children, you know, putting extra stuff into the body and concerned about um, development and growth. Sometimes they may not allow their children to take these hormones, and um, and that can play maybe a part in competitive advantage, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, um, but on you know more on the professional, and I think on the collegiate level, they're usually in, in Olympic level, they're usually tested to make sure that they fall within an acceptable range to oh. participate in these. Uh-huh. So um, I don't know how that really works on on high school students, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that there's, you know, oftentimes uh, scholarships and championships and titles and records all at stake. And I, I don't really know how all of that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been following it or watching it um, that closely, but I do know that there has been you know, in the last several months, an attack on um, trans youths. And um, that that has, um, again, that it seems that now that Republican lawmakers have all of this time on their hands, they're trying to find stuff to um, oppress kids. Mm-hmm. So 
one of the things I'm curious about, and, and I'd like to kind of take a deeper dive in, is this question about identity. Um, when, when originally what you said was, is you felt as if you were supposed to be female. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that feels like for, especially to somebody who may be confused or somebody who may be dealing with the same type of issue. What does, what does that feel like? I, um, I think the term, the term that the medical term that's used is um, dysphoria. Um, and typically it's, for me, it was, um, you know, um, a dislike of body parts and genitalia. Um, there, you know, it's like, I don't, this is not, um, there's this, um, I suppose feminine feeling that you have, um, and, um, it's I, I it's really hard to explain I suppose it's just you you hate who you are and um at least from a physical standpoint um and um I think a, a lot of who we are is mental you know what I mean and so and emotional um so I, I think a lot of it is that mental and emotional um state that you're in and this dysphoria with um the body that you were assigned at birth and um and ultimately for me ultimately as as that body of mine has begun to change or i've um changed you know the things that i can change um I'm happier with who I am. I'm happier with how I look. I'm happier with how I feel. Um, and and as a result, um, I'm happier overall. So as your formal self, as your male self, <laughs> did you have feelings of, um, or, or were you effeminate? Did you have like... Um, I, I did not, I was, um, I wasn't hyper-masculine. Um, I was probably somewhere in between. Um, I think that my friend, a lot of my friends who knew me, um, and people who would meet me initially would probably say that they thought that I was gay. Mm. Um, and then later they would find out that I wasn't gay. Um, I like to say that I was probably well-mannered or, um, I I was probably well-mannered and, you know, politically correct in most things. And, um, but I wasn't feminine, if you will. I was, um, I was probably middle of the road. I just kind of carried myself as the person that I was or, (laughs) 
you know, that I was born as. And um, and I tried my hardest to fit into a lot of the things that were considered masculine things, you know, like playing sports or watching sports on TV and keeping up with, you know, who the leading players were. And um, and I actually enjoyed scouting, um, being, uh, being in, in scouts. Um, the camping and the hiking and canoeing and everything that went along with that. Those things I, I enjoyed, but I mean, most of the things that I enjoyed are probably things that um, a woman can enjoy if, you know, she is into those things. So everybody has things that they like, but um, I wasn't that, I wasn't very feminine. I probably would say I'm probably not super feminine now. I'm probably, I probably have that masculine vibe that you talked about, um, uh, the other people, but I've also lived 40 years, you know, 40 years, um, faking the funk. I'm so glad that you are listening to this conversation with me. It's a wonderful conversation, transparent, open, just wonderful. I'm Sandra Bishop. You're listening to Shift Happens, and we're speaking with Erica Carter, a transgendered female that lives right here in Cleveland. And I am so excited to share all of this information with you. I love her openness. I hope you do, too. Welcome back. You are tuned in to 95.9 FM WOVU, our voices united. You're listening to Shift Happens. I'm your host, Sandra Bishop, and I am having a very candid, open and transparent conversation with transgender female Erica Carter. Now, I will say to you that I am so honored, first off, to have this conversation and to have this look inside of the mindset, the decision-making process that Erica Carter has gone through as she leads her life as a woman. I have tried to leave this conversation with very little editing so that you get the full feel of the conversation and the questions, as well as how we grappled with the answers for those questions. So I invite you to continue to listen in as Erica Carter continues to educate us in ways that I had not imagined. Listen in. We did this over Zoom and I tell you, I'm glad you're sharing this with me. So you you learn different things and there's some things that even now that I, I have a hard time unlearning or and I'm not even sure if it's an unlearning thing as much as I recognize that I still do because they were things that I learned somewhere along the line, you know, opening doors and um walking on the outside of um the sidewalk and you know there are things that I continue to do just because they were things that um, I learned. Okay. And I think a lot of what we learn as people, um, even with gender identity, um, as a child, you're conditioned 
you know, to be who you are. So your parents condition you, they give you Tonka trucks as a little boy and they give you, um, you know, guns and uh, model cars and things of that nature. And little girls get Barbie dolls and, you know, playhouses and party tea sets and whatnot. And that conditions who you are. And I think that if you swap those items and gave them to the, you know, the opposite gender, at least as assigned at birth, then, you know, over time you can condition the other child to enjoy those things just as much. Right, right. I remember um, growing up, uh, I hated being a girl. I was like, this is too complicated. Why do I have to be a girl? Right. I always wanted to be a boy. And then my dad told me that uh, this is my dad used to do some crazy stuff. My dad told me, he says, well, if you can kiss your elbow, you'll automatically turn into a boy. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I tried for a long guess. I was really trying to kiss my elbow for a long time. Um, and I guess finally I just gave up after a while because <laughs> I couldn't kiss my elbow. And then um, I think somewhere along the way, I discovered the power of being a woman. And, and you know, after, you know, once you get that, it's like, ooh, you know, ooh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, but it's still complicated, still way more to do. Agree. Agree. Mm-hmm. Yes, way more to do. Anyway, um, I suppose when I think about identity and sexuality, uh, a lot of times, I this is I, I'll speak from my personal self. We take these things to be about sex instead of about identity. Can you, um, do you have that same, you know, do people kind of, uh, you know, share with you that same kind of confusion or? Reframe that question one more time. Okay, so identity is different from um just making this to be a fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the way most people perceive the lifestyle is, is that, you know, like this is who you are on a regular basis, who you show up as. You said who you go to bed as. Um, this is how you show up. And it's not necessarily about... Sex. Just about the relationship stuff. No, it's not. Okay. It's it it has absolutely they're they're mutually exclusive from one another. Um I, for example, would be, I mean, I guess a good example of what would cause you um, confusion. A lot of the, let me say, a lot of the transgender sisters that I have, and especially the trans, transgender sisters of color in particular, um, they 
transition and they, you know, they become the woman who they are. And they are, as far as who they are, they're still, they're this woman and their attraction is to men. Um, my attraction is to, for me personally, my attraction is to women. Now I talked about that conditioning because I was conditioned and I lived 40 years of my life. There's a small part of me that feels like, you know, I was conditioned to like women. And that's just what I like because that's the way that I've been conditioned. I do think that there's some emotional feeling that you have or attraction that you have to people. So, I mean, I go with that. That's what I am attracted to. Um, and it's it's totally different from the sexuality part. At least this is the way that I've come to terms where I'm at in my personal life is that I can I can have a relationship with somebody and it can be either male or female or somebody who identifies as non-binary. You know what I mean? We can figure out how to pleasure and please one another um, sexually. You know what I mean? For me, it's about the person. You know, it's about... Um, in terms of the sexual part, it's about the person having that emotional connection with them, having um, that feeling of trust, that feeling of respect and the love that goes into that relationship. And once that's there, then I'm like, okay, well, we can figure out the sexual part. And that's just the way that I personally see it. Um, the the who I show up as part, who I identify as part, that's me. That's, you know, who I am as a person. Um, I think the fear that a lot of people have is that they think that it is a fetish. They think that there's maybe something perverted about it. And the reality is, is that when I show up in places, I, I, I've had people tell me, oh, you know, you showed up better than a lot of the cisgender women that were there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, not necessarily, and it's not all just a physical thing, like, you know, what you were wearing, et cetera, et cetera, but the way that you presented yourself, the way that you handled yourself, the way that you carried yourself, all of those things, those are um, who I identify as, you know? And for me, those things feel how I present and um, and show up now is a lot more comfortable to me than before I transitioned. So before I transitioned, I was showing up, but I felt like I was faking who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and and so that's the the identity part, and that's how I see the sexual part personally. And I, and I think that everybody sees it different. Everybody's attracted to something different sexually. You know what I mean? Um, um again maybe it's conditioning maybe it's um that natural state i've just come to a place where um that's just who i am i just i like a person you know we can figure the rest out if so, that person is willing to so i you know so i i find it um 
I I don't know. I find it curious because um, this is, you know, I, I, I suppose it's, you know, it is you have you invest a lot of a lot of. Um, I don't want to just say time and money and purpose and um in who you are, as we all do, right? Um, and so this is not something that is like transient or temporary. This is your your life. This is this is you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I had an aha moment when we talked about this idea that this is not just a uh, a lifestyle, which is what you kind of said. It's not a, a style of life, but it becomes, it is your life. Mm-hmm. This is just who you are. So um, your day in and day out, wherever you go. But it sounds to me like you're very conscious about your womanhood now more so than you would have been about your man- manhood when you were a man. Does that sound right? I think I mean I think I was conscious of, I was conscious of both. Um I'm conscious of of who I am when I walk out of the door every day, you know, and um, it's no different than, you know, being conscious about being black, you know, and um, or, you know, I suppose conscious about your religious affiliation. I mean, I'm, I'm very conscious of, of who I am and I'm the same person, you know, as I, that I was then, I'm the same person. I'm just presenting different. And I am marrying up who I feel like on the inside with who I am on the outside. Um, and that's just the way that I look at it. You're listening to Shift Happens. I'm your host, Sandra Bishop. I'm sitting down with Erica Carter, transgender female, as we talk about identity. Go ahead. No, I'm, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's confusing to a lot of people, but ultimately it all comes down the way I see it. It all ultimately all comes down to, it's a feeling like, um, how do you know that you're attracted to men? How do you know that you are, um, you know, essentially the question becomes, how do I know that I am a woman? And it, uh, it's a feeling, you know. Um, some people will say, "Well, no, it's not a feeling. It's just what I was born with," you know. But it, a lot of it is is owning that feeling. Yeah, because I, I mean, and and I guess so. I'm I try to relate it to where where I am. Like, do I feel like? Do what? Can I imagine what it would feel like to be a man? Um, surely. They- 
I don't. Ultimately, I, I, I would have no clue what it would feel like to be a man. I know that sometimes when I try to flex my muscles or do something that it seems to me that it would be easy for a man to do, but I still don't have an idea or a clue um, as to what I would imagine a man to feel like. Um, and I guess that I am, I've, I've been a woman, um, I, you know, I, I, I have no concept either of, 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 I don't know, do I have a concept of what it feels like to feel like me? Um, You know, I don't know that I'm when I'm honest about it. I don't know that I have an a, awareness because I haven't ever been anything but me. So I guess that it, it's kind of like one of those things of how do I I, I want to relate. I want to understand. That feeling. Yeah, um, I was out. <laughs> I had a I have a girlfriend who had this mother. Her mother was just hilarious. And um, I, I think her mother took me to a bar one evening. So it was me, and my girlfriend, um, Winnie and her mom and her mom. We were sitting up there at this thing and she was like telling us we could have a drink. We were both in college and her mother says to uh, to the bartender in the midst of all of this conversation. And she said, and we ain't never been ugly. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, like, what an interesting thing for her to say, to come out of her mouth, that we ain't never been ugly. So I, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, would I even be conscious of what that feels like? Would I be conscious of um, what so many of the things that people present to me feel like I there's a lot of stuff that I don't relate to um I shared one morning at our 5 a.m writers group that I used to I used to think that I had a thing with people with that had you know false breasts right because I used to get chased home from school I used to get little boys that would do stuff to me. And so my thing is, is if you ain't had your comeuppance, there's a piece that you, that I always felt like people needed to earn so that, so that they didn't get it twisted when they walk in the room, like these are my boobs. And then I am this. No, when you grew up with them, you come up with a different perspective. And so <laughs> I just think that all of our lives, we go through certain things that that usher us into the experience of of who we are. And so I, I guess that for me, I am trying to I, I try to put this in context of. Yeah, of understanding. I know that sounds like a lot, but I try to put this in the in 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 my frame of reference and try to understand from that. And I know that that's hard. That's hard because I, you know, it's not mine. It's not mine. So I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> I say that all. Oh, I try. So to 
I think I think that this may run a little closer to the lines of what you're talking about. So one of the things that um, that trans women here, people like myself, um, from people who either a don't understand or b have um, a bias or, or or opinion about the transgender community that differs from um, that of mainstream society is that um, I am not a woman because I can't give birth to a child. I chose not to, so go ahead. Yeah. But there are, but there are. I am not a woman because. Um, I don't have a monthly cycle or never have had a monthly cycle. Okay. But there are plenty of women out there that are barren mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, for medical reasons, have not been able to have a monthly cycle. So does that make them any less of a woman? Right. So does that make me any less of a woman because I can't have those things naturally. Yeah, so, so. And and I and to your point, you know, I guess that parallels that, well, I didn't get chased home by the, the little boys because I had boobs and because they wanted to fill on them more because, um, um, you know, I didn't have a monthly cycle or because um, I didn't have boys feeling on my booty or whatever during that during that time period. It doesn't make me any less of a woman. I mean, arguably, not me, but I mean, I'm sh- I've seen it. I've, I was there and experienced it um, on the playground as well. So I can maybe not necessarily relate to the emotional distress that you experienced at that time, but I, I understand the the the. The, the that event, if you that occurrence. I'm so glad you said it that way too, because I can now I, I distress and trauma, uh, and so maybe that's something I need to um, to pay attention to as I react to certain things. Is that I do feel like I was traumatized, um, <laughs> but that's not unlike uh, a lot of people have gone through. But it doesn't make it any less. So maybe I need to think about um, that. However, um, no, I am not trying to make it seem like there is some kind of exclusive group that we actually invite people in or say that you don't belong to. Because, I, you know, I get that there is a... Um, I had somebody send me a thing telling me about why Obama wasn't black and why Kamala wasn't, you know, people have their own ideas as if this is an exclusive club. And unless you fit into these particular parameters, you are not such. Um, And I don't agree with I don't agree with assessments like that. I don't think that there is this like this test that people have to go through that. um, I don't think that that is where I'm coming from. I guess what I where I'm coming from is trying to understand that 
from the perspective of me, like when I was little, I wanted to be a boy. But I eventually. Why did you want to be a boy? Because uh, I thought it was so much easier. I thought it was so much easier. You didn't have as much to deal with. Um, I wanted to jump and run and I was a tomboy. So there was there was a certain thing about me that thought boys had it so much better. And I wanted to be that. I wanted to be like my brothers. I wanted to, you know, just play basketball all day and run and play SWAT and just, you know, I wanted to be a boy. I wanted to be a boy for a long time. And then I finally got the clue, like, okay, this is, this is me. And I fell in love with me at some point. And I wanted to be a little girl and I wanted to wear dresses and you know, I wanted, you know, to put on makeup and yes, it's so much more work, you know, um, but that was that feeling and it just never changed. I wanted to play with Barbie dolls and um, tea sets and that feeling never changed. I just played with the other stuff because that's what I was supposed to do, not necessarily because I really wanted to do it. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, like, if I if I think about it, and you can probably relate to this because we're in the same age group. Um, I go back to the 80s. That was, like, I guess my, my heyday, you know? Um, that was my teens, at least. And during that time period, being gay was one thing. But to be transgender was unheard of like I don't think the word even existed then and if it did it was only a clinical term you know what I mean it um so to be gay and be out about being gay was just oh you were you know condemned and um I think back to this guy named Gino Ware that I went to high school with and Gino was flamboyant I mean, you knew he was gay and he took hell for it from everybody. Um, and, but he knew who he was and he wasn't afraid of, at least on the outside, it didn't appear that he was afraid of who he was. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I just never changed. Where is Gino where today? I don't know. I'd really like to know that. Yeah. I would really like to know that. Okay. Maybe I'll see if I can find him on Facebook. Hmm. Okay. Well, and she might have changed her name. Who knows? I don't I don't know that all well, gay people want to be the opposite sex. I, no, 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 no. He was gay. I'm, there's, there's definitely a distinction between because we talk about. I mean, I think that the now you have this LGBTQIA plus community, right? Um, I'm gonna go back to the old school and where it was just LGBT, right? Mm -hmm. And the LGB is really about sexuality. So when I talk about, um, sorry, excuse me for just a moment. Okay. The back you got stuck. 
I'll just turn it off. Oh, that's the little thing that goes around your house. and Yes, it comes on at 9.15 every morning. It makes the rounds and then it goes and parks itself. <laughs> <laughs> and it does it again the next day. That way I, that way I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Or at least I, I do the areas where I think it, you know, doesn't get. But um, the LGB is really about sexuality. It's about who you want to have sex with. So when when I when I say, you know, gay, I'm talking about somebody who generally identifies and as who they were assigned at birth. When I talk about the lesbian or the L, the same thing. It's a woman who she's fine with being a woman, but she just is sexually attracted to women. When I talk about the B, um, these are men or women who don't mind sex with men or women mm-hmm. and women actually because they enjoy sex with both when i talk about the t we're talking about people who are this is specifically gender identity it has absolutely nothing to do with their sexuality so with gino as far as i know gino identified as gay back then mm-hmm. he identified as a male who liked men and mm-hmm. That's exclusive of his gender identity. Did he decide to transition later because he realized later in life that he wasn't gay? He was actually transgender. That part, I don't know. He was he was a little flamboyant and he wore some flamboyant stuff to school and he got sent home from wearing that. So it's very likely that he is now she. But I don't know. I don't know where they are. And so maybe a better term to use for them is them, they, there, because that gives them um kind of a neutral status because i don't know where they're at right now right mm-hmm. um there was something else i was going to say and i just lost the thought but um You're listening to Shift Happens. I'm your host, Sandra Bishop, and we are talking with Erica Carter, transgender female right here in Cleveland. So the, uh, there's LGBT and then there's the QIA. Um, queer is, Q is queer, which when we were growing up, queer was a derogatory word. It was kind of like using the, the N words, you know, um, um, now there's kind of like the N word. There is um, this um, embrace of it, yeah. an embrace of the word queer. And I, I can't truly tell you what queer is, but um, the way that I see it, it's, you know, it kind of a it's a it's a expression of gender and sexuality um and um people embrace it so you can be gay or lesbian or transgender and bisexual or bisexual and you just kind of embrace it the i is um i think intersex um, it seems like there's another one that they use for I as well, but I can't think of what it is. Um, 
the Q also, I've also, um, I've also heard that the Q stands for questioning. Mm-hmm. You, know, you kind of questioning either your gender identity or your sexuality. Um, and, um, and then the A I've heard is maybe androgynous or asexual. Uh, and um, I'm not sure how asexual really fits into the overall community because asexual is somebody who's absence of um, a desire to have sex. Um, but I've heard those two, and I'm I'm not sure what they actually really stand for. I just know that those are the the letters that are out there, and um, plus means that there are other things that they've thrown into it. And I think the last time we talked, as I said, that a lot of, I said that there, the transgender community seems to be like this dumping ground for anything that doesn't fall into straight or gay or lesbian or bisexual, because then it's hard for people to really understand and relate. And even within that, when we talked about um, sexual identity, identity and gender identity as being mutually exclusive, you know, let me, let me confuse you. So if I, I am, I was born male, I transitioned, I'm, I identify as female now, I'm attracted to women. So before as a male, I was considered to be straight, but now as a female, I would be considered lesbian. Right now, some people would just say, you know, because they don't necessarily see me as being female or a woman, they would say, oh, well, you're still straight. That's because they don't see me as being female, even though that's how I identify, you know, or someone who when they were born and assigned male at birth um, and they they were attracted to and sexually attracted to men, they would be considered gay. But after they transitioned, then they would be considered straight. <clears throat> but you would have people who would object to all of that because they just don't believe in any of it. And as that it doesn't make any sense to them at all. Yeah. <laughs> So, so are, so here's, and and you can tell me this is none of my business too. So if you, since you are attracted to women, are you attracted to feminine women or are you attracted to, so which, if you were to play a role, because I think that in every relationship, people kind of play roles. Do you see yourself as a butch female or as a femme female? A little, um, that is a really good question. Um, a little bit of both. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, some, somebody told me, I, so I have a, a, a friend of mine who is bisexual, and she said that in spite of how hard you may try to um, deny that polarity, she says inevitably in every relationship, if you have um, same-sex relationships, somebody does play a particular role. Somebody will play the masculine role and somebody plays the feminine role. I I agree. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, 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 I like to subs- I like to say that I subscribe to the philosophy that there don't there doesn't need to be necessarily gender roles in a relationship, but inevitably, and maybe it's just human nature, maybe it's conditioning, inevitably we end up falling into those roles one way or the other. Every now and then I see couples that are, you know, kind of 50-50 or as close to 50-50 as you can get because I don't necessarily believe the relationships are always 50-50. I mean, they probably should teeter somewhere between a 60-40 range where, you know, one person gives a little bit more here and the other person gives a little bit more there and you get your 50%, but it's you know, it's not always a 50-50 on everything. And, um, but, you know, you see it in, um, I see it in lesbian relationships where, you know, one person just does not like wearing dresses. You mm-hmm. never catch them in a dress. And the other person loves dresses and heels. And um the male relationships where are a little more difficult to identify visually, but generally one person has a much stronger personality than the other person. Mm-hmm. And um, it's usually a personality thing, not necessarily something that you can visually see. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I do agree with you. I, as much as I like to think that, you know, relationships can be the can have this 50 50 more often than that people tend to be you know there there is that definite gender role that you speak of Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so but you don't you don't know clearly what like you don't naturally fall into the masculine role in a relationship i I mean i think i think I don't I don't know. I haven't had I haven't had a real relationship to even gauge it on. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean I would argue that I would probably be the more masculine in the relationship. Um I tend to like more feminine women. Uh-huh. Um but I mean, I would probably say that my ex had a very strong masculine personality, and that's what I tend to be a Try maybe I like strong masculine personalities, but feminine appearances. Okay, that's that, and that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, so so in 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 that regard, I do like strong masculine women personalities, but I do like um, feminine appearances, and I do like feminine personalities too. And even like, here's a great example of of when I say those things that I've been conditioned to do. So me and my neighbor go walking at lunchtime, um, you know, if the weather isn't horrible. And so I find myself always like, oh, well, you need to walk on the inside of the sidewalk. That's that masculine trait that I had been taught, you know, or um, that somebody instilled in me. Um, And so now that's one of the things that, regardless, you know, or I I open doors for women, you know. Um, 
So arguably, I, I would probably still have a little more of a masculine trait. Um, there are some, huh? So, 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 I used to always equate that as saying that's kind of symbolic, like to 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 have somebody walk on the inside is is symbolic if the you don't have the protector instinct. I think that that shows the protective instinct of men to to want to be yeah want to put themselves in danger first in order to protect but if it's just if it's just for show it's it's probably just symbolic and just something we learned without really learning why we do it so <laughs> i mean i knew why i know why mm-hmm. i knew the why um and and that, again that was that's just one of those things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Because, um... So as I close my conversation with Erica, I wanted to thrush out the point that that idea that America was great at some time in the past and is not now or does not aspire to a greater future, um, that I think has been misconstrued. And when we can come back to this realization that this is exactly what it's supposed to be like, this is exactly what it's supposed to look like. And when everybody feels comfortable to come to the table as who they are, um, then we will have a society that, um, that we can really be proud of. I just don't think that we need to sweep everything under the carpet under the rug and try to pretend as if it doesn't um, as if it is not there we need a world that works for everybody there's a book um, that I used when I decided to transition in the workplace it's called the book is called transitioning in the workplace Um, (laughs) creative huh And the book is by an author by the name of um, Vanessa Sheridan. And the book has um, stories and scenarios and other things in it. Um, But I think the, the most important thing that comes out of that book is that when people are allowed to be their authentic selves and be who they are, um, they become more productive employees. Mm-hmm. They become um, more productive citizens of society, and um, and overall, the business benefits from that. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, as a whole, within society, when people are allowed to be who they are. Mm-hmm. And- and we accept that people are different and going to be different. And this is the melting pot, right? U.S. is supposed to be the melting pot. Mm. Um, then, um, then, then I don't want to melt. I don't want to melt. I want to be able to be who I am, not have to water it down, not have to become something I'm not in order to fit in. I want to just be. As a matter of fact, I think part of the reason why I do what I do is because of some pushback that, you know, that, you know, that that people try to place upon upon me because of whatever labels I have, too. So there's certain things that you're not supposed to say, certain things you're not supposed to do. Um, They have certain stereotypes and 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 ways of being and everybody wants you to fit into those things and 
I refuse. And so, you know, I, I, I really do appreciate the fact that you are being bold and bodacious in who you are. Um, and having the conversation. And I recognize that there are so many people out there that are living lies or that, you know, sneak around, you know, running through back hallways so don't nobody see that they really rather go out, you know, flamboyant and and wonderful or whatever. And, you know, they so they run around and they hide instead of just being true. And so, you know, I'm applauding you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Special thanks to Erica Carter for her open, honest conversation about being a transgender female here in Cleveland, Ohio. Check out her website at Erica.com. That's A-R-Y-K-A-H, Erica.com. See you next week.